You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 18. I'm Rusty and with me this evening is uh, Greg over there. There you go. Good mate, Andrew over here. How you doing, Rusty? Good and special guest tonight is Simon. How you doing, Simon? Yeah, good mate. Yourself? Excellent. Thanks for coming in. We'll explain why Simon's here a little bit later, um, but he's uh, uh, he's here to bring some uh, specific knowledge about what we're going to talk about tonight, which will be good. How's everyone's uh, week or couple of weeks been? Weekend was good. Yeah, uh, long weekend? Um, no, not the one just being the one before that was interesting. Oh, so the long weekend didn't matter for you? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> good. I, I didn't shoot on the weekend just being, but no, the weekend before was good. Yeah, mm. yeah. And uh, did anyone shoot on the weekend just gone, though? Nah. Uh, which was Anzac Day, just... Uh, just no, really, no, uh, but uh, Simon and I did go up and, and check out a local range here in Adelaide, up yep. at Mount Barker, and um, had a look at the facilities up there, because we're thinking about just doing a bit of F-class just to get more rounds down range. Sure. Um, and yeah, really good up there, good mob of people, and um, they had some, you know, they had the electronic scoring system using like acoustic sensors, which okay. is a bit different than what I've seen before. Yep. And uh, the system seemed to work really well, so um, yeah, we're probably keen to go back and have, an, have another go, have a shot. Brilliant. How far does that go out to? Uh, 800 yards, 800 yep. yards, 300 to 800, so. Okay. Half an hour from sort of home is, is quite nice compared to driving a couple of hours to have a shot. So Yeah, brilliant. Convenient. Yeah. Yes, very. Yeah, it makes it nice and easy and they're, they're regular. You get to, you'll get to shoot fairly often there. Yeah, pretty much you can go every weekend. They've got something on. Um, and then the way they work with the electronic scoring system is you just rock up and like say they're at 700 that week. Yep. You just rock up and say, right, I'm you know, F-class open. Greg Badco, they just register that that shot against your name. Yep. And then basically you're done. You walk off. So oh, okay. they just rotate. doesn't matter what comp or class you're in. You just rotate onto the mound, do your shoot, and leave. So it's it's quite efficient yeah, right. how they do it. Yeah, so... Um, so you don't have to talk to anyone or hang out with anyone. You could just oh, arrive, <laughs> shoot, and bugger off. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. quite. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, no, there was... Yeah, pretty, pretty good crew. And, um, yeah, I reckon we'll go back for another look. Yeah, excellent. Mm. And um, anyone got anything uh, other than the weekend prior? Anyone got any shooting news or anything they want to talk about? Or are we just we're going to get into that? Probably have to get into that. Yeah, yeah. pretty keen. I I did pick up a little uh, Vortex Venom. I'm going to put on the, like a side mount on one of my scopes uh, on one of my rifles. Anyway, that's yeah. Is that the little cool 45 degree mounted jobby? Is it? Yeah, that's the idea on one of the um uh, on one of the rings. Have a 45 degree pick rail. And uh, just to be able to use it in closing shots if you doled out a fair way. Um, I don't know if I'll ever actually use it, but something cool to it'll, have an option there. It'll make you look a bit cooler, probably. Yeah, I need all the help I can get, really. <laughs> so, yeah, very good. Well, I guess what we're alluding to about the weekend prior and the reason Simon's with us this evening is it was the Southern Shooters uh, Precision Rifle Invitational. And I think we have uh, we didn't do a podcast last week because we are all a bit too wrecked from uh, actually... Um, running it so uh, we've, we've delayed a little bit but we wanted to uh, have a bit of a chat about it and talk about it and Simon was one of the stage officers there so how'd you enjoy it mate? Actually uh, it was it was really really cool I got a really good got a good uh, appreciation for uh, 
the amount of effort that goes into running it. Yep. Seeing how many of sort of our stage officers it took to run four stages at a time, plus guys verifying hits, uh, yourself running around in between, making sure things were going smoothly. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was great actually. Although, as I said before, I sort of spent a lot of the time peering through a spotting scope, so I, I missed a lot of the action. But uh, I know how you feel on that one. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a really, really I had a ball actually. It was great, and I sort of picked up a lot just from listening to guys and mm. you know things like the teams communicating, calling shots and stuff like that. Um, I picked up a lot. It was really good. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, mm. that's one thing I definitely missed out on is the, the hearing the teams communicate. You guys all were on stages. That so was yeah. It was um, it was interesting to see there was uh, some of the teams were very coordinated and and sort of ha- were on the same page, and, yeah. and other teams were kind of a bit all over the place, I guess. And I think that's probably something we'll see improve in following years. Mm. Guys have got a bit of a chance to uh, they sort of know roughly what they're in for, and and they know the benefits of having a good win call quickly and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how that changes in coming years. I think. Yeah, it was so to explain or bring bring those up to speed who perhaps are not familiar with it because we've mentioned it a few times, but it's a, like a PRS style event. So it was uh, twenty two competitors, eleven teams over two days, and there was uh, twelve stages that they had to shoot, um, and four stages were run simultaneously. So guys would move between stages uh, as they went along, and uh, then once we'd done four stages, we'd take a break uh, as a whole event and, and move on. Um, and so we, what was uh, what might be interesting is to actually go through the various stages. Um, if you guys are happy to do that, if that was of yeah, interest. Absolutely, I, th- I think Andrew, you were in stage number one. The, the well, yeah, I think it was, wasn't it? The Titanic stage, as we called it. Um, I think people hated pr- probably <laughs> you more than me after that. Hey, you built it. Yeah, you but built it. you're the organizer, so yeah, okay. It goes uphill, but no, it was basically a platform suspended I, on chains. Actually, I think people hated me prior to that when I made them walk out to the first oh, some area. Of them. Yeah, five hundred and something some meters wasn't that hard. But uh, anyway, it was basically a platform <laughs> on uh, suspended on chains, which they had to jump on and uh, fire five shots at roughly four hundred meters. Yeah, four nineteen, I reckon. Um, and they had sixty seconds to do so, and it was challenging. Um, mm. There was a number of guys that didn't get all their shots away. And yep. there were probably more misses than there were hits. I definitely agree with that. I think the highest score was three hits. Yeah, there was a lot of guys that didn't hit it at all. Um, I guess that was a it was good and it was a, it was a wake up call for some of the competitors. Like we had one competitor who was a full turnout on his elevation. <laughs> okay. So he it took him a little bit to work out what was going on there. But um, yeah, and I ran that stage for I think two competitors, and the guy hadn't didn't have a zero. That was uh, that was good fun. Well prepared. So, so what distance was the target for that? Four nineteen meters. So it wasn't particularly long range. It was a reasonably large target. It was about a roughly a twelve inch gong thereabouts. It was three three minutes at at uh, four hundred meters. So yeah, yeah, so approximately yeah. twelve inches. So yep. It wasn't tiny. Yeah, but uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot of movement at the firing point to to, do, to miss. And, and that thing moved. And it, it it was frustrating, guys. You could see them; they were waiting for it mm. to try and sort of steady down, but it wouldn't. Mm. Not in time, anyway. Mm. If you had all the time in the world, it would be quite easy, I think. But uh, the time stress was was mm. interesting. Yeah, and you, and, and you made them run to it. Oh, we, we we made them run to it. You made them run. No, I don't, to be honest, I I don't actually think they would have made a lot of difference. No, no. I mean, it would have given them an extra five seconds, but uh, as far as moving the 
the platform. I, I think the amount of movement that you induced just getting onto it was yep. enough to really throw them off. So, yeah, and what a, it was and the recoil as well. Yeah, what, what was interesting though is that everybody was challenged by it, mm. and uh, I sort of threw the suggestion out there. You know, would you prefer a bigger target or a target closer? And they all said no. Yeah, that that was actually probably something we got a fair bit. That guys sort of thought the target sizes were generally about right, and the distances mm. were fairly. Fairly good, but anyway, we'll, I guess we'll cover that as we go along. So. Well, I think you know the the fact that one of the competitors hit it three times. It was uh, achievable with a borrowed rifle, admittedly. Yeah, true. Um, you know, it it showed that it could be done. So, mm. Um, mm. you know, ironically, the, that stage didn't really matter what rifle guys were using. You know, the most expensive <laughs> rifles or the the cheapest on the course. It yeah, uh, it was all down to shooter ability on that one. Absolutely, and so stage two. Uh, was three foxes, which uh, um, Dan and Dutchie ran, and uh, that was the guys would had to run. Uh, their, their gun was on the top of a ute and was being held there by one of the guys. They'd have to run sort of 10, 15 metres up to the ute, get onto the ute and get in position, and then they'd have to shoot three foxes, which were on a fairly significant sort of arc, probably about a, a hundred. 110 degree arc um, mm. and there was three of them varying between about three to 420 metres I think off memory mm. some some so, guys did well just a quick mm. point yep. of note there Rusty guys that uh, are listening from outside the country uh, a ute is a, a pickup I guess <laughs> yes. or a truck <laughs> true yeah so um, and the foxes were not actual foxes they were fox targets we probably should clarify yeah. as well for <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and I, I guess the big thing there was because of the angle, you've got significant wind profile change. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yeah. And, and uh, completely picking the rifle up and moving it, not just a little pivot and be on mm. target. So they had to mm. find, you know, move the rifle and then find the targets, yep. work out their holds and shoot. It wasn't yep. just a quick pivot around. So Range and wind. Yep. How, I, I and they had pick... 60 seconds to do the lot. How, um, I didn't actually check the results on that one, Rossi. How did it go? Generally? Yeah, if you guys got, if you guys got all three. Um, but that was probably sort of three or four guys got all three and it was pretty even between sort of zero, one and two hits from there on in. It was sort of fairly balanced. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good, good stage, very sort of, uh, realistic stage of sort of spotlighting. Um, I mean, obviously during the day, but anyway, it was, it was trying to mimic that and being able to move and reassess your target very quickly. Hmm. And then stage three was levels. That was uh, with you guys. Yes. Craig and Simon. Yeah, no, levels, um, it was really well received by the competitors because it challenged, um, well, I'll just explain how the stand run. Basically, they started 10 metres back from a, um, basically a... Barricade. A barricade with, yep. with five different levels on it. They'd run forward, start prone, and then there was a sequence of different um, positional heights. They had to... Um, negotiate within 90 seconds mm -hmm. at each height they had to fire off two shots what was the distance again two no, 330 335 something like that. 335 yeah. yeah around that anyway um and yeah it challenged a lot of guys it challenged a lot of guys in terms of their gear and 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 their positional sort of game um, yeah that and they, they sort of a lot of guys stepped back from it going well that wasn't real flash like i didn't do well <laughs> but they were sort of smiling going but I know I got I, you know, I can fix this, you know, I can fix this, I can practice this, you know. And um mm. you know, I think it went pretty well, you know. Yeah, most definitely. I think um 
something that I noticed being sort of I'm, I'm really quite new to this sort of competition, something that I noticed was the time actually really puts guys under the pump. Doesn't it? And they really start going, oh, man, oh, right, and I've got to get my head straight, and then they're getting their bipods stuck on the rails. And so it really actually puts, them, puts boys under the pump, and they've got to think things through. Yeah, they've got to make sure they've got to count their rounds off. They've got to figure out how they're going to move between the different levels. Yeah, and, and if um, I remember correctly, you, you had 120 seconds to complete it, but a bonus if you hit it under 90. That's Correct. right. If you got Correct. Yeah. If yeah, and we actually had guys. Off, you know, yeah. we had one guy. You know, you had one of those proper shot timers, which yep. on that stand was just absolutely fantastic. Hmm. And because uh, we had one guy who, um, and I've forgotten his name, who actually fired off his last shot at at nine point or ninety point like two seven or something maybe it was nick nick yeah was and nick um that within the rules qualified as the the last shot for the so it came down to three hundredths of a second yep on you know uh. that he got the bonus point <laughs> so if we didn't have that little gadget you know yeah, yeah you wouldn't know we wouldn't have known so that was pretty cool and um yeah yeah, there's, there's certainly one of the more exciting ones to watch. I've watched some of the videos since I didn't see it live, but yeah, it's yeah, certainly and, more and like there was to watch. there was probably two guys that really excelled at that, mm-hmm. and I think it was obvious they'd done some level of practice, whether yep. it was just a small amount or or they've done competition before. I think uh, um, Matt from the Northern Territory, he would definitely done something like that before, and he yeah. won that that stand. He did one win that stage, and yeah. I think uh, Will. Did yeah. really, really well he on had, that stage. He, he was had very the smooth. smoothest, smoothest mag change I've seen. He did. He did really well. And, yeah. uh, you know, to go through that smooth, there's some level of practice, you know. Um, we had a lot of malfunctions. Um, Jamming you know, When and they stuff. went down on their guts, filling their receiver full of sand and, you know, just so keen <laughs> throwing themselves on the ground and kicking sand into their action. And, and just some of those sort of things that really tested their gear. Yep. And then there was one level that they really struggled with. The, that was the last one, wasn't the it? Last the last one. The one, one level up. Yeah, some which guys Andrew sh- designed it that height, and it yeah. sucked. Yeah. That, <laughs> I, I just did it on order, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, really good positive reaction from that, that stand. I guess, um, Simon, from sort of your perspective, you, you, you're not a new shooter, but you said you're new to this style. But from a hunting perspective... You know, it's not often you're going to get the ideal rest and that sort of thing. So you're going to have to take a – anybody that's hunted a lot knows, you know, if you've got a tree or something like that, you'll use it if you can. And it's not going to be the ideal height branch or a fence post or whatever it is. So, Or you have other disabilities like you're left-handed. Yeah, well, that kind of puts you really behind the eight ball. But, I mean, um, you've got to – You're not uh, even going to let him respond? I'm just waiting. <laughs> just buying your time. <laughs> But I mean, like that. I, what I liked about the, the comp in general was it didn't unduly advantage any particular type of shooter. Um, you know, if there were guys that were really experienced on you know, prone shooting on the range, they would do well in some stages, but not in others. So, you know, conversely, if there were hunters that were you know very experienced hunters. They're going to do well at a lot of stages, but maybe not so much at others. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that, that's that. I mean, and it's very practical, you know, which is which is yeah. what, what I really really enjoyed about it, and and which has actually got me thinking about it since we since we sort of went through the weekend. Is it's yep. very practical, and there's something for everyone there. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I guess I guess the hunting elements. I mean, you're exactly right, Andrew. It's it's all about you know you might have to lean back on a tree and lift the knee up and twist your sling around your elbow and you know try and wedge it in to get that shot off if it's not if it's not a perfect you know height if it's not quite leaning not quite prone so yeah you've got to kind of make do yeah mm. I, th- I think i think you're right the hunter the hunter element really comes into it with that stage so mm. yeah 
Yeah, very very adaptive. And that, I did shoot uh, that one previously from that second position up, and it was it was a terrible mm. position to try and mm. get into. Mm. Yeah, not not pleasant at all. So blame me. Yep. Yep. Why not? Good. And uh, so stage four. Now stage four was meant to be a STS sponsored. Uh, um, stage and unfortunately for those who have heard our podcast with Sean and we're all pretty good mates with Sean um, Sean had a medical issue the day before the comp and, and was unable to make it and fortunately enough he's recovering well now but we had to um, he, he planned a stage for that with a bunch of targets and, and n- neither the stage nor the targets would have arrived um, so we sort of had to come up with something a little bit off the cuff uh, for that and and surprisingly enough, it actually turned into one of the more favourite stages of the yeah, weekend. That it did, yeah. There was a lot of talk on that stage that that, mm. uh, that evening. Yeah, I guess it was just like a stroke of luck. We had enough targets to um, sort of make, you know, it, make, make it do. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Rusty, I I didn't actually get to see that stage again. But um, if you could just sort of for the listeners sort of outlay what what that stage involved. Right? I, I again heard it was quite popular. Yeah, so there was two targets, one at sort of about 480 and one about 420. And they were relatively large targets, realistically. They, they were um, probably somewhere around sort of four to five minutes of angle at those distances. The, the challenge really came uh, from the guys having to shoot from two different shooting positions that would have been about a, a 10 to 15 metre dash between each. And from one position, uh, it'd be, once again, significant angles, um, very significant angle change. They'd be shooting from one position on their weak shoulder and then the other position on their strong shoulder. Uh, and a lot of guys had never shot weak shoulder uh, prior uh, at all and found it very challenging and just yeah interesting and also that so that they'd be in one position they'd have to shoot until they hit and then they'd change to the other you know get up change their their setup and and, um jump down again and and shoot from the other side and if they hit it first or second or third or whatever round they hit on as soon as they hit they'd have to switch back to the other side it was a really good um Ended up being a really good stage. Um, perhaps scored incorrectly. We, you know, last minute we probably didn't get the scoring system quite correct. But it'd certainly be one I'd, I'd like to bring back, maybe with a slight different variation on it. But um, and we would tweak that scoring system up again. Uh, but yeah, I th- I, it came came pretty good in the end. Um, and certainly to to watch the video. So it, like levels was is one of the more engaging things to to watch. And we got really good footage. We managed to captured two of the best three performances on that stage on video so um that was uh, that was really good um and that'll make its way out i'm sure that yeah that's one i'm i'm looking forward to seeing the you know the edited uh, completed sort of um footage mm. obviously not not witnessing it but um sounded pretty interesting yeah i, I realized i didn't see it at all either uh, over the over the course of the morning so yeah, anyway, so that was the four stages in the first session, and then we took a break and uh, and gave the guys about an hour to uh, have some lunch and recuperate and whatever else, and then we made our way down for the, the second set. Um, I'm probably going to get these, these numbers out of order, but I think the next one was the uh, was pick a card, which I didn't, think you're right. didn't yep. quite work. Yeah. But no, you guys explain it. Yeah, pick a card. The, the principle for pick a card was we, we had a full deck of cards on a target board out at I think it was 238 metres and basically the the firing team so it was shot as a pair um, they would pick five cards from a deck at the firing end and then they would have to 
was it two minutes, 120 seconds, I think. They yeah, had to lo- locate each of those cards and then engage each card. Um, they got uh, points for hitting the card and they got minus points for hitting the incorrect card. Now, we, we encountered a few problems in that most guys, even with high-end scopes, couldn't identify the difference in the suits. Um, Between, say, a diamond and a heart or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so they could see the two by counting the symbols, but they couldn't tell if it was a heart or, or diamond. It was just a, f- a fraction beyond scope ability. Um, yeah, a few, a few guys said they could, but they were the they were guys running sort of real high-end gear, but yeah, the majority of we, people. And, we probably yeah. had one or, two got, one or two teams out of the lot that didn't, have any issues they just I guess yeah, it could right. also depend if you you know if it became overcast while they were shooting it allows yeah. you to get a better look at the targets and that sort of thing so yeah so we, we we tried to tweak it up as as the day went obviously in the end we ended up um you know removing that that score from the competition because we we changed things up we really needed to reshoot everyone to make it even so we had to remove it from the competition but we got lots of really good feedback the principle was really good yeah i think the principle seemed to work and yeah and, and i think in in the initial plan for that stage was the the, the guys would be one would be on a spotting scope and mm. one would be shooting yeah. and i think had we done that and i'm not sure where that sort of fell up fell away but anyway obviously mm. it, it fell away between concept and and actual yeah, design yeah yeah and i think if we'd done that it probably would have worked and that's exactly well. what the feedback came back as because we got really mm. constructive feedback all the way around from oh, the, shooters. the guys the guys were brilliant fantastic yeah. fantastic and and if we just had like one maybe if we shot that individually yep. and had the partner on um Spotting scope that would have been a really good stage. Would have been a, a, a an uh, exercise in communication between the team then, which I think was the yes. original purpose. But yeah, you know these things happen, hey. Yeah, I guess it. we were you know testing the the shooter's ability to you know sort of conduct themselves on the stage rather than their ability to see it. You know if they're mm. unable to differentiate, then it's not really a fair scenario. No. Hence, it was not used in the scoring. So yeah, I, what we saw in some of the teams that did better was perhaps one guy's. Um, had some top end optics or something saying right top row third from the left hit it sort of thing so um, some of the guys were saying look you shoot I'll spot uh, they were running it like that so yep. yeah. yeah a few different strategies yeah. and poor old Simon here running back and forth doing all the scoring so <laughs> yeah it was uh, logistically it was actually a bit of a you know but challenge we, the way you'd planned it uh, Rusty was really good in that we had control of that part of the template so we could yeah the where it was set up could, on the property yeah. yeah we could close that part of the template to do the logistic side and so it still flowed well to the timings that we had so yeah yeah and some of the because there was talk from the various guys saying oh I should bring the targets in closer and this and that but I think the general consensus was that the targets were at the right distance that otherwise they would have been too easy to hit yeah, yeah. And, and I agree I think just having the cards just out of good optics ability to be able to pick up clearly identify and put the emphasis on the spotter is just the right sort yeah. of set up for that that intent. It probably that. probably would have worked well and, and give someone a 60 power high quality spotting scope yeah. and they would have been all over yep. it. But yep. we're all going to, you know, we're going to... We'll get it right next time. One day, yeah. <laughs> one day we'll get it right, so... Well, I mean, I, I certainly know that all the stages I ran, I just was constantly telling the guys coming through, you know, if you've got any feedback, good or bad, yeah. take, take it down, note yeah. it down because, yeah. you know, we want to obviously keep it challenging but we also want to keep it what the the shooters want there's no point sort of maintaining something that everybody doesn't like or 
everybody's really finding hard or too easy or whatever it might mm. be. So mm. yeah, I, I didn't get feedback, and, and you guys might have, but I didn't get feedback that overall it was too hard. I got feedback that it was challenging. Yep. But it was the right amount of challenging. Well, I think if you look at the overall scores, um, it wasn't like anybody was just blitzing the course. Um, <laughs> no. So I think mm. we had the mix fairly well, right? Yeah. Just you know, minor tweaking, I think. But Yeah, um, yeah I think that's a pretty good indicator. Uh, you know, different uh, disciplines over the, over the couple of days. It gives everyone a sort of strength. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Certainly. Um, yeah. So stage six uh, was the long shot, which was yours, Andrew? Yeah, that was... Um, I think it was 1188 meters. Um, basically, it was a it was quite a small target, roughly one minute of angle at that range. Yep. Um, so, quite a roughly a 12 inch plate at 1200 meters, approximately. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the deal was they had I think it was 90 seconds uh, uh, to two two minutes. Two minutes. Anyway, whatever. Two minutes. Yeah, a, a re- relatively short time frame. They could fire a maximum of 10 rounds. Yep. Um, if they hit on their first. Then they got maximum points, and then if they hit on the second, slightly less, and so on and so on, down to if they hit in the last, they only got one point. Yep. Um, it was quite a good stage, I thought, in that um, I sort of made it made it clear to the guys you can spot for each other. Um, yep. Some did, some didn't. Um, really? Yeah. yeah, right. Um, so I thought that was a bit interesting. Mm. But um, we only had one one competitor hit with their first shot. Um, yeah, and that was, I heard the cheer from that. That was pretty impressive from mm. from hearing just the cheer of it. Yeah, yeah. The the fellow Nick that did it, he was a you know, really quietly spoken guy and he was and yeah. uh, you know just sort of went about his business and stepped up and smacked it and walked away. What was he <laughs> shooting? Um, <laughs> uh, three three out edge. Three three out edge. Yeah, yeah so. that that certainly would have wouldn't have hindered him in in that particular. Mm. No, no. He, I mean, his rifle, the configuration of it. It. He admitted it. He said it wasn't ideal for the competition in general, but he did well still. He was single single feeding. Wasn't yeah, he? you know, he couldn't mm. mag load because the rounds are too long. That's right. Yeah. Um, wow. And it was a big, heavy, long gun. Mm. Uh, but he still did quite well. Yep. Uh, so I mean, that stage helped him, of course. But mm. uh, you know, it did. It goes to show. It, you know, it was a hindrance, but it still sort of worked. Well, for that him. was a team stage, actually, and I know that he yeah. was in, he was in the top team, but he still did well overall. Yeah, he did. Anyway. Yeah, so you know, obviously, he's a good shooter. He can shoot. So I think mm-hmm. that's the main main thing really that's going to lead to uh, you know performance and ending up in the top yeah. group. And and how of the eleven teams, how many actually hit? Because that's a oh. you know, that's a relatively challenging shot, and we had sort of all varying skill shot uh, skill sets. A, a good percentage, I, I, without having the figures in front of me, Rusty, I wouldn't be able to recall it. But there was a good number. Um, yep. A lot hit it sort of in the, within the first five, okay. and then there were you know guys that hit it generally hit it within sort of seven to eight maximum. Okay, I think yep. you've uh, they got to ten guys probably. that missed it altogether. They they weren't seeing their fall a shot and that sort of thing. That's where it, it did surprise me a little bit. There wasn't more cooperation with the spotting. However, yep. I, I think in uh, in future shoots that will be a point that it, it's a real benefit because you at that range it's pretty easy to to lose your mm. you know your, your sight picture and you got a bit of time to see it. But um, yeah, I think if you had a, a spotter, we had some that were, were way out, you know, like several meters out, and they didn't see it. Uh, yeah. You know, I could see it through the spotting scope and. I thought, you know, if there was good spotting and communication going on, they probably would have um, come mm. on target a lot quicker. But uh, we should we should say that so some of the teams were only assigned on the Saturday morning, so just yeah. prior. Having mm. said that, the um, the stages, the first four stages were were virtually all uh, individual stages and, and didn't require a lot of teamwork in those first four. 
that gave them an opportunity to get to know each other a bit more. By the time they then got onto stages five, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. they um they sh- hopefully had at least knew each other's name to start with. Um, <laughs> that would have been good. But um, the other thing that I and, and I know I know you you found it frustrating, Andrew. And the the one stage I did a, a bit on, I found it frustrating is uh, as stage officers, we weren't allowed to call their shots. We could only tell them if they hit, and that was correct. It. I found that frustrating. Yeah, like yes. I, I had a, a number of occasions, and you probably all did if you were watching, where there were, were completely incorrect wind calls made. Yep. Oh, where yeah, you know, a, bu- a bullet might have impacted you know, two minutes to the right, and they're going, yeah, come right, four minutes, and you're like, mm. you're going the wrong way. But yeah, yeah. I guess that's part of that. That's part of the deal. Mm. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, if they're not spotting, you know, like a lot of the, the, the stages I ran, I, you know, particularly that long shot. Yep. I said to the the guys, you know, you're welcome to spot and and sit as close to behind the line of the shooter as you can to minimise that error. But uh, I guess, you know, if they were uh, paying attention and and taking Mm. down sort of what happened, uh, I think you might find that that stage will be shot a little differently in the future. Yeah, I definitely noticed that with um, one of our stages, which we'll talk about later. But the, the spotting, you know, you get a guy behind a rifle, he's pretty confident, you know, he takes his shots, put him in the spotting position... Yeah, and you can tell they don't have experience as a spotter, um, and that, yeah, yeah. that's that, that's um, that's probably a, a point that came out, and we on one of our um, southern shooters courses, we actually a- attempt to teach some spotting skills because a lot of guys are keen to shoot but not keen to sit there and actually spot. And I, I tell you mm. what, I've you know having run courses now, I, I've spent a lot of time, more time probably now in the last two years behind a spotting scope than I have behind a gun. Yeah. And I've learnt a, a ton more um, yeah, I, by I th- doing that. I think it's a big thing. And, and look, I'd really like to spend more time behind a spotting scope because you can mm. learn just as much, you know. Actually, um, Simon, you're probably a good example having spent this weekend or that couple of weekends ago behind a spotting scope and probably the first time uh, you've really done that. Is, would that be fair? Probably, other than sort of a little bit of range time here and there, yep. maybe, maybe I've gone out with Greg or another mate and we're sort of um, doing some load testing or something like that. Sure. But yeah, actually a dedicated couple of days yep. and watching for fall a shot and uh, um, trying to ch- trying to read the wind myself and just you know mm. see see what's going on. So yeah, absolutely. Mm. So for me, it was really really uh, instructive and hearing the good the guys that were sort of uh, working as a team, yep. talking to each other. Um, was was really evident, and the guys that sort of, um, especially guys, if they were both running mill, say in their scopes, oh yeah, yep. then they, then they'll go right mm. four mil left, two yep. mil up, and bang, they, you know, then yeah. they start nailing on. it, you know, yeah. yeah. So so that was really evident, and and not many of the guys were doing that, but as you say, you know, a lot of them weren't. Uh, Hadn't practiced as practiced a team. As a yeah. team. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. So yeah. I think that's probably what we'll see next year. But Imagine, mm. yeah, twelve months of of that. Uh, not a, not even necessarily a heap of trigger time, but just working out. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. This is yeah, how absolutely. we're going to call. It, interestingly enough, though, that in in the um, in the top three teams, two, the top two places, number one and two, they got assigned their team Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, it, that, that's very interesting to see. Those who had practiced as a team didn't necessarily win the team events. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll that, that just say while we're on spotting too, I, we managed to snaffle those uh, vortex spotting scopes fairly <laughs> the, regularly. The didn't we? Yeah, yeah, gee, they were nice. They were really <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, um, yeah. made a big difference. Yeah, yeah it was uh, it was very beneficial to have a couple of them there. 
Mm. Well and truly. Now, the next stage is uh, Know Your Limits. And uh, that was... um, Now, anyone familiar with Know Your Limits, um, it works in in a manner where you usually have sort of uh, multiple targets from a larger size and and descending in, in size. And you have to engage the largest size and then get down to the next one and then down to the next one and down to the next one and effectively all the way down to the last target. You um, you get generally an increasing amount of points per hit. So you, your large target's not worth a lot. Next one's worth a little bit more. Next one's worth a bit more again. But as soon as you miss, um, you get zero points for the entire stage. And you can stop at any point. So you could go through three of the targets and then choose to stop because you're not confident you'll hit the next one. Or you can risk it and shoot the next one and either you know, almost double your points from that one hit, uh, but you do risk losing them all. And um, we had a few guys lose them all, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Well, just uh, the way you had those uh, targets set up, they were, were round gongs, yep. but they were literally right against each other, next to each other. Yep. So you, there wasn't any... I guess, I mean, there's no margin for error anyway. You either hit or you miss. Yep. But uh, I think we had a few shots after the competition had finished, and it's... Um, it's tough. It's kind of looking at it, there's, especially on the smaller ones, are only maybe a, an inch and a half or so in diameter, the tiny yep. little thing at the end, yep. had 500 and something metres. Uh, mm. Actually, we got we reduced it because we had big winds that day, that, that Saturday. And after the morning session with the winds playing, you know, quite a significant impact, um, we brought in another 100 metres, so it was just about 400 metres. Okay, which even still, mm. you know, you've not got not a, lot of, uh, not a lot of margin for error there, so... No, no, yeah. it, was, uh, it, was, it was challenging. I think if we were to do it again, we'd probably bring it in a little bit closer just to try and entice yeah. those guys to go that little bit extra step yeah. and, and perhaps risk it all. Yep. Um, but... Uh, I think the highest score on that was the fourth target out of six. Um, and I think a few guys did end up zeroing their score out. Um, but that's always yep. a, that's always a challenge, isn't it? That's yeah, that's the it. That's the trade-off. Risk versus reward, isn't mm. it? Well yeah. and truly. And so the, the one after that was a two in a row, uh, which uh, which was two targets. So one uh, one was a, a two MIA target at uh, 400 metres, approximately 393, I think. And then one was a two MIA target Um at a roughly 800 metres, and the guys would have maximum of five shots, and they'd have to shoot the 400 metre target, and as soon as they've hit that one, then consecutively they'd have to hit the 800. If they shot the 800 and missed, they'd have to come back to the 400 and re-engage it again, and then go out. And I remember this tar- this uh, particular stage, Greg, that you um, you did on our testing weekend. Oh, uh, yeah, we I had all sorts ago. of trouble. All yeah. sorts of trouble. I, I tried doing... Uh, probably for one of the first times doing my first focal plane holdover. Yep. And I'd, I'd, I don't know what was going on. I, it was all messed up. It was all messed up. And Having uh, a left-handed yeah. day. and Yeah, having a lefty <laughs> day. And, uh, yeah, no, I yes. So I, I can f- familiarise with those guys that did have trouble, absolutely. But I, I think I think the, one of the things at that stage was neither of the shots were particularly challenging on their own. No. Necessarily. No. But uh, you really only afforded, what, one error, really. Two, maybe. Yeah, two. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's pretty quick, like pretty easy, like even just with that mucking around casually, you know, you found 
once you miss once, the pressure's on. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, you go into that pre-planned and, you know, you know your drops and mm. you go, right, I've got to do X mil for this and X mil for that. And when you miss with X mil, you go, oh, why did I miss? You know, because <laughs> you thought you had it all sussed. And, and um, yeah, then it's like well, crisis management at that point. And I remember when you did that you did that test, Greg, and, and mm. you were you were sitting there, or you were all sitting there, comfortably hitting the 400, no dramas at all. Mm. Hitting the 800, no dramas at all. Yeah. Going, yeah, this is sweet as. Yeah. Someone pressed go on a stopwatch. Yeah. And it just fell apart. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it just was, I mean, I remember that example when we were out and then seeing it on that weekend where, where guys just were, yeah, that they really struggled. And I anyone, pretty much anyone who was there that weekend, 800 meter shot was not a a difficult shot. It was perhaps challenging, yeah. but not, and, and not beyond them by any stretch. And when you go in, when you think you know your data and then you miss and you miffed, it's hard to recover. Yeah, it, it really is a challenge, well, yeah. especially when you've only got three shots now, yeah, and it's you not. Just got to hope on your first focal plane, you can pull it back together. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, very did, good. Uh, just a, a quick point of interest on that one: Did people generally hold on that, or did they adjust their scopes? So, um, I, none of us were on that stage. Yeah, you know, so. I, don't, I don't recall. I, I would, when I shot it later that day or later on the Sunday, um, I held. Um, I, I, well, I dialed for four hundred and then held the balance. Yeah, um, mm. I know. I know the the guy who ended up coming first. Um, he held everything but your stage, the long shot, but the the twelve hundred shot. Um, everything else he held. Do you know what red, what scope he was using? Yeah, it was a knot force with a MOIR in it. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was a hash mark every every minute. Yeah, and he obviously yep. was was quite familiar with that. Very setup, comfortable so. with this. Yes, yep. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was Saturday. That was a wrap, and then we uh, we had well, I had a good night that night. It was good fun. We had a big oh, I bonfire. Think everyone did, yeah, yeah, um, chatting about things and having a spit. That was uh, warmed up. Yeah, no, there was um, there was a pretty top energy. I thought that night. You know, everyone was mm. getting to know each other and and you know having a few beers and good laughs and. There's a lot of uh, you know chat of the day and the mistakes and you know it was it well, was a really good night I thought we released the leaderboard that night uh, of of where everyone was sitting both in the team and the individual and what was interesting enough was that at that point anyone could have won because mm. there was enough points on offer the next day both in the team environment and individual environment uh, that uh, the the guys who were leading uh, and there was only one point between those two guys mm. um, on the individual's basis were catchable by everyone. And, yeah. and genuinely catchable. It wasn't just, a, okay, these guys have got it in the bag. Mathematically possible, yeah. yeah you know, no. It was you know, quite foreseeable that they could have been knocked off the perch. As it turns out, they weren't, but yep. they very well could have been. Yeah. I remember watching those two guys sit down next to each other at some point that evening and yeah. sussing, su- no, yeah. sussing each other out, I think. I've, yeah. got a, I've got a photo of those two sort of yeah. in discussions. Well, what was even funnier was the following day <laughs> when they came through the status. Oh, how did he do? How did he do? Yeah. And they just, yeah. Kept asking. I saw them walk past each other at one point that, that next day and, yeah. uh, and they and certainly I, sussed each other. How did you go on this stage? How was mm, it? Mm. I, kept, I kept them on the edge, uh, you know, sort of, oh, what, how, how did he go on this stage? Oh, well, if you did this, you might be in front maybe <laughs> but i don't know how he's going on the rest of the stages so you know you might not and be i think also it did affect i know on our stand that we'll talk about in a minute yeah that it did affect some strategy decisions yeah okay. on the last day just on do well, i go for it or do i not go well, for it do well, I, I know risk the wipe and get the points or yep. do i just stop now and take the points and, and you know depend of where there. you sat in the 
Yeah, we, I saw that with some of the guys who perhaps individually hadn't mm. performed how they were hoping, yeah. but they played the team game. Because yeah. the next day, the, the four stages, they all impacted team and three of them impacted their individual score. Yep. And, and so they could sacrifice individual for team if they chose to yeah. on some of the stages. And, and Yeah, I think um, that was a really positive thing because yeah. they were really starting to really think hard about yeah, what's tactics best came into for the it. team, what's best for the individual, yeah. Very good. All right, so the next stage uh, on the the Sunday was the locate your target stage. And this was um, a, a scenario that the area was blanked out so guys couldn't see it. And they'd, they'd get taken through and they there was a, a mock goat uh, placed out uh, somewhere in the in the scrub, effectively, and it wasn't it wasn't easy to find until you knew where it was. Um, and so that that mock goat had a um, a gong internally, basically where the, the vital organs would have been, and so the the guys would have to locate their target, literally, just like hunting. They'd have to look for it. It was a brown goat, so it wasn't an easy one to see, uh, with black highlights, which. Perhaps maybe shouldn't be highlights, but it was it was challenging to find. And once they found it, then they had to. Uh, the, there was a haystack there that they could sort of rest over, and two different levels of that haystack, and then they'd have to engage it and hit it twice. They'd get points for finding it, and then points for hitting it as well. And the the rest of the squad, the other guys, wouldn't be able to see this area because um, it was all sort of you know had sheets up and and mm. tarps up, so they couldn't see it. Um, they were they were given distances as well of um, uh, of prominent uh, prominent points prominent like, yeah. points along along the way. So this tree in that area and this this sort of yep. uh, clearing there. So they didn't know the distance specifically as well, and they didn't mm. they weren't allowed to use rangefinders. So they had to sort of guess what the distance is, use the terrain to work out what it was. Yep. And some some teams did score full points, and some um, uh, I think most found it. Uh, but mm. Some found it only with seconds to go, uh, mm. as well, and and some were trying to communicate to the other person as to where it was and what to do and yep. <laughs> how to shoot it. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've had a little bit of a thought about that one. I think in mm. uh, subsequent shoots, you know, possibly utilising an adapted uh, sort of a three D archery target. How they use like a basically yep. a, a foam moulded animal of whatever you want to be shooting. Sure. Um, so yeah, I think. In subsequent shoots, we can probably make it a little more realistic yep. in that regard, but I like the concept. It was a good concept. Mm. Mm. Once again, t- testing the hunting side of things. Um, yeah, and that, which... that's a really realistic scenario in terms of knowing distances to certain objects and then having to re-gauge to your actual target. That That's, you know, I, I do that a lot with fox stands. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't always have time to yeah, bust you, out the range you finder. I might say range to a fence line, but you don't know where your target's going to pop up. Yep. So you just sort of, yeah, yeah, and, work and out the balance and take your shot. Observation as well sort of helped with mm. those guys who could, who know how to scan landscape to to find something that looks unusual. Yep, yep. yeah, yeah. Because that, that was really tough to actually find that target. Because I went past and had a little look at the end of the day on the way yep. back, couldn't mm. find it. Couldn't see. see it. Mm. Once, as you said, once you know where it is, yep. you could see it with a naked eye, but mm. it was. You know, it didn't stand out. Yeah, tough with really... the naked eye. Definitely mm. tough with the naked eye. Yeah. So it was. It was. Uh, I, I think it achieved its purpose. It was certainly a test. Yeah, no, and it was a good stand. Funnily enough, those guys that found it are, are, are big hunters. They're, yeah. they're keen on hunting. So and, they can and 
pick something that's not natural. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the key to it. What's the guy, not natural in the? Yeah, the guys who found it and be, and had enough time to shoot it were were I think probably that way inclined. So once again, mm. those guys who were fantastic at a precision shot at a long distance didn't have an advantage on that stage. Mm. 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 Which was good. Uh, the next stage from there, I think Andrew was yours. Choose your points. Yeah, that was a was a good one. We basically had um, they were the the mini Ironman targets, which uh, are IPC ones. IPC ones, sorry. Yeah, yep. they were basically well, approximately six inches wide and nine inches tall thereabouts. Um, they were were the same size targets at uh, two, three, four, five, and six hundred meters. Yep. Uh, they're all on star droppers, and they were they're effectively in a line, so you could. You could see them all from the firing position. Sure. And uh, they had, I believe it was 90 seconds, or there, I think it was 90 seconds. Yep. And uh, they had five shots to, they could choose which, basically, they were worth more points in ascending range. So they could engage all of their five at 200 metres, and they'd get minimal points. Obviously, maximum points would be achieved if they hit five times at 600 metres. Yep. So there again, there was that, uh, not that they lost if they missed, but they just didn't get any points. So there was that uh, real strategy of do I go for go for broke and go for the for the long, the longest target? Yeah. I mean, there and was hit it once or twice and get good points. Yeah, you know, by the by the stage, by the time we ran that stage, it was quite windy. Um, you know, it's not a big target. No. And we had guys with with three hundred wind wags that were missing. You know, at those six hundred meter shots, you've effectively got a a very small margin yeah. for error yeah um, yeah I, I just found it interesting to see the way the guys you know sort of went Strategy about that stage you know the the guy that came second overall was shooting a 243 and hit he hit that four out of five times which was the most Wh- anybody did uh, 600 meters oh right which is wow um, you know when you consider mm. there were lots of 300 wind mags there yep um, yeah I think you know that stage was uh, was good I, I was really entertaining to watch see what people did you know we uh Gave them the option of they could nominate whichever one they wanted. Did many people change partway through? Not many, no. No. There are a few that hit hit sort of like a 300 metre or a 400 metre first up and then said, okay, I'm going to switch to the five or the six. Yep. Um, which was no problem. We had, we had two officers on that stage so we could spot everything. Yep. Um, did, did you have many people uh, time out on that one? No, no one. No one did. No. no everyone no. got the shots away quite easily in that Good. time. Um, again, that one wasn't really the time stress. It was more their shooting ability yeah. rather than stressing them on time. So. And again, risk and reward. Mm. Yeah, and it was interesting that stage. I mean, you know, the guys that hit that 600-meter plate with, say, a 3 through 8 or a 300, it was a real definite bang. You know, there was no no doubt. Mm. But uh, the the fellow that was shooting a 243, mm. we, we, we got a definite two hits on there. And we at the end of that, when he shot... Yep. We had to close, and then we had uh, one of the target crews go out there and confirm the hits because we just couldn't see them. Yeah, at that range, a small bullet was really wasn't making a lot of impact on the target. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, no, it went well. I was happy with that one. I think I think the competitors were pretty happy. Nice, and I've got to say, and, and most people won't won't care or understand, but uh, Richard, the the video guy that was there for the weekend. Uh, he did manage to hit the 600-metre target, and he just wants that known to those guys who were giving him it's a hard pretty, time for not being a shooter. Yeah, it's pretty good for a non-shooter. Yeah, no, he did very, very well. So well done, Richard. Uh, anyway, we'll move on from that. Close. So the, the, the next – sorry? No, 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 nothing. No? Continue. <laughs> good. I think that uh, 243 was a ticker too, so everybody knows. 
Thanks for, yeah, thanks for pointing that out. Um, I will Basically, let you know. in action only. It, yeah, action only. Didn't, not the barrel, not the stock. But anyway, we'll move on from that. We'll come <laughs> back to that later. Uh, and it wasn't left-handed. That's why I hit. And that's where we're going to leave this episode for this week. Uh, ended up being quite a long recording session. And we are going to put the rest of it with the uh, the balance of the stages, as well as a bit of a look at the equipment used and, uh, and where we think things are going, plus a bit more information about the Victorian Practical Rifle Series and some giveaways. It's all going to come up in the next episode. So thanks very much for uh, listening, guys. And we, uh, we look forward to getting this part two of this discussion out to you. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile.